through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat at the last line of defence. And here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gable and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, how are you feeling after another disappointing weekend of rugby? Well, that's a familiar feeling really after <laughs> uh, after last season. Desperately disappointing result, obviously, and uh, you know, particularly after we were so optimistic, so uh, so such high hopes going into going into Saturday, but but not to BJ. Yeah, as you say, was extremely looking forward to the game on 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 Saturday night against Harlequins, a 15-9 defeat for the Blue, Black, and White, and and not just the the sort of final result, but the game was just absolutely diabolical. So uh, not really a great way of spending a Saturday night all round. Yeah, absolutely dire um, conditions, dire teams. To be honest, neither team I think uh, in particularly. Uh, good form, um, not a not a particularly st- good standard of rugby, um, as I say. And when you compare it to some of the European mm. uh, Champions Cup games that were on the on that weekend, I think particularly uh, Racing Munster, which was an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, you, you know, you have to think that these are two teams that are really struggling, and to be honest, scraping uh, right at the right at the bottom of the barrel of European rugby. Yeah, to be fair, I was just looking um, earlier actually, and we'll come on to a bit more detail. But as you, as you say, I was sort of looking earlier about um, could we qualify? Have we people qualified from this position previously? And then I just thought, why am I bothering to do this? We're not very good, and there's no way we or probably Harlequins uh, are going to qualify. As you say, two pretty average English teams, not a great advert for for the Premiership on a European scale, or scale uh, stage. Sorry, uh, and yeah, a, a terrible watch. Well, I guess it's a wider point as well. I mean, will we qualify? No, and you know, I don't know what your view is. Do you think we should uh, still kind of try to put out our best teams in Europe, or do you think as Johan Ackerman said after the Gloucester defeat to, to Montpellier, which is their second loss out of two as well, that we should now sort of turn our attention to, to, to the Premiership, given that that's not all gone quite uh, as well as it could could have done so far. Well, I, I guess it sort of depends on where I'm speaking from. From a um, purely uh, sort of um, clinical point of view, then I would say, yeah, it's something that, that, that you should consider because, as you say, our Premiership start has been terrible and, and it's maybe an area we need to focus on. But having just um, spent the money on the flights and accommodation for our, our trip to Clermont in match day four, I bloody do hope they, they, they put some strong teams out. Yeah, I know. I mean, we kind of knew that was never going to be uh, <laughs> potentially one that was going to be, hinge- you know, a game that's going to be sort of hinging our season. Uh, that said, it's still going to be a good weekend. And to be honest, uh, I, I enjoy going to watch Bath more. I think when I know that I don't have to go through the pain of uh, losing those all in all important matches. Yeah, as you say, it's the hope that always kills us, Tom. And I don't know why we continue to hope. But um, let's get into the game in a little bit more detail and try and pick out one or two things that actually happened and what was a diabolical game, as I say, and a and a terrible start by by Bath, Tom, and and something that you highlighted last week on on the podcast maybe a couple of weeks ago is the restarts and, yep. and dropping that first ball and uh, just the sort of tone that that set um, just sort of uh, it was to continue for the rest of the game Absolutely I thought the restarts were poor throughout mm. not only the, the receiving when as you say we were turned over a couple of times um, mm. you know after scoring a, a penalty of our own we're sort of right back pinned to our line and, uh, and conceding one uh, right back but also I thought the kicking of restarts was poor and we had to kick back 
um, a fair few times in that first half as Marcus Smith kicked those four penalties um, in the first 50 minutes there. And I thought they were all too long. They weren't sort of deep enough to, to really pin Quinn's back into their corner. But at the same time, uh, they weren't sort of high enough um, to give us, uh, you know, our, our, our forwards or our runners a chance to, mm. to get up to the tacklers. So, yeah, restart's really poor. We've mentioned so many times it being the, being the third set piece and the best teams uh, restart and, and, and exit their own 22 really, really well, as well as putting pressure mm. on the opposition um, when they're kicking off. So, yeah, that, that was particularly poor. And, and obviously a theme throughout the game was discipline mm. and, and giving away... Uh, four penalties in that first 15 minutes really allowed Quinns to get some easy points on the board, build some confidence because, you know, we mentioned they, yeah. were, they were out of form and, and, and get the crowd behind them as well. So a uh, terrible start, as I say. And um, uh, sort of by the time it came round to that, that, that half-time point, we were, we were really chasing the game. Yeah, as you say, the, 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 the third set piece, as we often mention, Tom, and, and actually this season... We've uh, we, we've had a lot of success at the other two set pieces generally, but on this occasion, certainly in the first fifty or sixty minutes, we did not have the edge in the key set piece of the scrummage and a penalty immediately at that first scrum against Lewis Boyce, who struggled generally on the gate on the day three nil down and and sort of set the tone for for what was to come. What was your sort of reading of, of, of the scrum battle? Well, absolutely. We've spoken about the the two sets of of, mm. of front rowers. Uh, so Lewis Boyce Walker and Christian Judge, who started against Quinns, um, and then what you'd probably say is the first choice uh, front row of Tom Dunn, Abano, and and Will Stewart. And I, I kind of had in my mind that potentially there wasn't too much in it mm-hmm. in any of those positions. But I think what what Saturday showed against you know what is a strong scrummaging side in Quinns is that there is potentially a bit of a a bit of a gulf between between those two guys. Lewis Boyce, I think, worked or probably tried too hard to make a, an impression against Will Collier on, on, on the loose head side there and ended up giving away a sort of a couple of penalties, as you say, and really getting on on the wrong side mm. of, of referee Frank Murphy. Um, and, and I thought as well, Christian Judge s- struggled, um, uh, you know, in the scrum and in, in the loose as well. So uh, the difference when Ben Urbano in particular, but also the other two came on after 15 minutes was was massive. And I think, uh, you know, if we've, if we've sort of, gained one thing from from this match it's 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 the knowledge that that really now is our first choice front row going forward yeah i think maybe more touch on those guys when i do try and uh, find some positives for you later on in the podcast tom but as you say that front row which started really struggled and i do think at times Boyce was potentially singled out a little bit by, yeah. by frank murphy but i do feel like in situations like that when the referee's got your number, it is extremely difficult to turn it around. And Bath were maybe even a little bit too late in making that change. We did make it quite swiftly on the sort of 50-minute mark, if, I, if I'm rightly, yep. if I'm right in thinking. But it could have been at half-time for, for, for any money because when the referee's got your number and sort of thinks that you're the one infringing at the scrum, as, as, as you know, Tom, having watched you play rugby, infringing at the scrum is your speciality, then they often they often just ping you and, and, and look out for that. So I do think that Boyce did struggle, but it was exaggerated by the fact that the referee kind of had his number. Yeah, it's, it's not easy scrummaging in those conditions, right? I mean, it was, it was, it was terrible conditions. Uh, every scrum that was a reset, they would have to move the whole... Uh, the whole front eight. Uh, it, it is very difficult, and, and you're absolutely right. Once you sort of paint the wrong picture to the referee, um, and particularly when you react to the penalties in in the way that the Boyce was reacting, mm. and that was sort of with sort of outward frustration, you are more likely to to get to get pulled up um, going forwards. And, and I completely agree with you. I was 
expecting and I was hoping for the for the change to be made at, at half time. Quinn's scored first in that second half. Mm. Um, I think on the 49th minute it went to went to 12-0. Mm. And after that point, we you know we brought on the cavalry, but it, it was really too late at that point with as I say with those conditions, um, it takes time to eat your way up the pitch and, and gain territory and ultimately convert that into points. So um, a little a little bit uh, too late, I think. Um, but as you say, one of the um, one of the, the main positives really of this season so far is the is the revival of, of Beno Urbano, obviously last season and, and the season before, stricken with with injuries, um, but he looks to be getting right back to his very best and um, all the more important, I guess, given that Nathan Cat won't be we won't be seeing Nathan Cat for some some time. Yeah, and twelve 0 did feel like an almost insurmountable lead for Harlequins at that point because our attack in general, Tom, in those first 50 minutes and throughout the whole 80 minutes, to be honest with you, was, was sort of, um, you know, non almost non-existent, it felt like. It felt like the only uh, play we had, as I think Hugh Walker on Twitter pointed out to us, was a sort of aimless cross-kick by Freddie Burns when everything sort of broke down. Why do you think, we spoke last week about how important the half-backs were going to be in releasing those exciting backs, Joseph, Watson... McConaughey and Rocco Laguni, but that just didn't happen. There was so little creativity. I thought JJ and Anthony both looked a little bit sluggish, a little bit slow. Rory barely touched the ball. Uh, Rocco Laguni was slowing down every time he got to contact, and I, I, it's sort of what even the little chance they had, they didn't make the most of it. But they barely got the ball. The, those guys anyway, especially not in any space. Yeah, that that was the most disappointing thing of the game for me because we spoke about it on the on the preview podcast we did last week about how we're expecting, given the mm. team selection, for there to be much more ambition in attack, much more creativity, that we'd see you know, a far better attacking shape than we have done in the, in the first few games, where, where you'd argue the sort of a more defensively-minded, forward-oriented mm. game plan that we've been, we've been sort of looking to play. Um, and, and there's a couple of things, really, for me. You mentioned the, the cross-field kicks, and that was certainly, I think, a tactic going into the game. Um, Clement had real success with that tactic against Quinns when they absolutely hammered them the week before. So I certainly think that that was something we were we were looking to to exploit, to potentially sort of narrow defence and sort of pin pin them back as, as well with sort of the slightly younger wingers they've got um, uh, that, that they had playing. However, you're right. It just it just seemed that that was the only idea we had. And what I think, thought was particularly disappointing is whenever we had a penalty advantage. We were mm. just we were just shaped to to do that straight away. We wouldn't really even give it a go. I think on a couple of occasions, Freddie Burns just sort of got the ball probably first or second phase after after the advantage was played and sort of went for the for the hero's kick. Whereas actually, you know, you've got a free play there, and that doesn't mm. mean you have to kick it. You, you, you get you get five, six, seven phases in in the advantage, and you've still got the free play there. So give yourselves a chance uh, and and use it as an opportunity in a real game situation to try and put into practice some of the moves that, you know, no doubt those guys can pull off and, and that they're training for on the, on the, on the training pad. Yeah, I, I do think patience when you, you've got a penalty advantage is massively sort of underrated. And uh, I do think as well, when you sort of fling it out wide, uh, when you've got a penalty advantage, because there's already the penalty advantage, the, the, the back lines are naturally just going to be pushing up, flying up, probably offside and giving absolutely no space. So I do think that there is time there to, to go through the phases and create the space out wide earn the right to go out wide, even when you've got that penalty advantage. Because as you say, advantages these days are so much, are so long and, and so advantageous, literally, for, for, for the attacking side. Do you think we missed Jamie Roberts uh, on Saturday, Tom? On the bench, uh, Max Wright started ahead of him. Do you think 
we missed him on, on Saturday. It's an interesting one. I think in in those conditions, I think we did. Uh, the the other element of, of of our game that's been that's been good so far this season is is our defence. And I thought at times we were we were more passive um, than we've been. Kind of takes me back to to the game against Wasps when you know for the reasons we discussed the illnesses and, and the injuries, we didn't quite look look on the money there either. And we were we were we were narrow. We were missing individual tackles. The back rowers weren't getting off the scrum quick enough, so Freddie Burns was was targeted um, mm. by some of the bigger runners, um, but the bigger Quinns runners, and, and he, uh, I thought, struggled and, and missed a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of key tackles in in that area. So Roberts certainly brings uh, that sort of you know abrasiveness in defence. He's very very experienced communicator, um, but you know as is Jonathan Joseph, um, as is Anthony Watson, Rory McConaughey, these guys. Um, really, you know, they, they know what they're doing. They're, they're no mugs, and one person's not gonna not gonna change the whole defensive system. And I thought at times, as I say, we um, we, we looked too easy to too easy to break. Uh, yeah. the game. I thought more in terms of an attacking sense. I really feel like we we lack carriers on Saturday, and I think that was a combination of the fact we had no Roberts and we Zach had no Zach Mercer. Yeah. And I do think it really showed. Francois Lowe's a fantastic role player, had a really strong game, but playing a more seven role in, a, in the eight jersey, Bayless the same. And I do think we missed the carrying of Mercer in that. Uh, someone like Roberts, who had a really good game last week, actually. We didn't sort of touch on that as much as potentially we, we, we could have against Ulster. But some people on Twitter definitely suggesting that it may have even been his yeah. best game in a blue, black and white jersey. And I do think... In hindsight, it would have been really nice to have that other carrying option to get us over the game line, push the the the, the Quinn's defence back, and that would have allowed us to to exploit the, the the guys outside. But even when he came on, it didn't really have the greatest deal of yeah. effect. So, I'm, a, I'm, um, a big, maybe... I'm a big Max Wright fan as well mm. as you know. So I, I thought he didn't he didn't have a bad game. He, he was he was fairly unspectacular, but he certainly didn't didn't have a poor game. And he's he's a real talent. So. You know, I'd, I'd I'd like them to sort of continue giving him a chance in in that shirt. The, the point I'd, I'd I'd make is it's very difficult, as I say, particularly in those conditions, to try and engineer anything attacking when you're playing 75 percent of 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 of, rug, of the rugby in the game in your own half. Mm. You know, we had about thirty to thirty five percent territory in the first half. You know, only about twenty percent territory, and we've spoken about it so many times. Play in the right areas of the game, and I, you know, I don't really want to be seeing. Um, you know any any sort of uh, sort of a, this attacking ambition we're talking about. I don't really want to be seeing that sort of in our own twenty-two, in our own half. I'd much rather, as I say, play in play in the right areas. And when you give away seven penalties um, in your own half, uh, you know, and eleven penalties altogether, it suddenly becomes very difficult to get anything going. And ultimately, there weren't too many opportunities that we had mm. ball in hand in the right areas. So. Um, uh, yeah, I'll just carry out it with that. Yeah, I, I think on that actually, I, I was mightily impressed with with Danny Kerr's kicking game. I mean, he took his time to do it. Certainly, lining up uh, his, his forwards in that caterpillar formation, which drives just about everyone mad that watches rugby. But I do yeah. think when he when he kicked it, he kicked much more effectively than than we did. And Anthony had a really strong game collecting a lot of those balls, but it gave us no chance to get out of our, our half, our 22 on a lot of occasions. And I do think on that occasion, Care in particular, certainly won that half-back battle. And I, I was mightily impressed with his performance. Yeah, it was certainly a game plan that, that Quinns went into the game with. Mm. Anthony Watson carried the ball 15 times. Um, the second highest Bath carrier with six carries. Was uh, was Josh Bayless? So is that right? yeah. So again, he was wow. 
he that was clearly as I say something that they they were looking to do and he dealt with it he dealt with it fantastically as as you'd expect but again difficult conditions meant that he and I think it's probably an element of tiredness and and he didn't quite look quite as fresh meant that he was unable to sort of be as dangerous as as he normally is coming from the back six carries second second top carry yep. Josh Bayless yeah jeez what a, what a attacking performance that was. Did you think at any point we were we were going to get back into that game, particularly thinking at about twelve six when 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 the new front row was on and you maybe felt like momentum, if that is a thing, was starting to shift back towards the blue, black and white? Did you at any point get your hopes up and ultimately have them dashed? Yes. So there was one moment. I think it was on about on about sixty five minutes where it was as mm. you say it was twelve six. Um, we Freddie Burns kicked a, a lovely ball in behind. Um, Mike Brown, he he sort of took it, recovered, um, and you know we had the opportunity. We pinned them back. We we're over the ball. Um, we were sort of down in their in their twenty-two, and Mike Brown sort of held held placed the ball back on mm-hmm. on Anthony Watson. Um, the ball sort of rolled out of the ruck. One of our forwards forwards pounced on it because he you know I think he thought it it had come out the ruck, and the penalty went against us. Um, Quinns then kicked upfield. Um, and we gave away a penalty at the infringement with yeah. the lineout, and suddenly, you know, we find ourselves down in our twenty-two with only twelve minutes to go. So, in the lead up to that, I thought, you know, if we can retain, if we can sort of steal possession here, if we can get a penalty here, we are potentially in the game. But to be honest, that was the only moment in the whole match mm-hmm. where I felt like we weren't chasing the game, um, or, 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 or or that we didn't have enough time to, to time to sort of recover the situation. So, yeah, as I say, I think because by virtue of the fact that we we got so far behind early doors. Uh, you know, and the conditions were so poor, and our attack was looking so devoid of of any creativity. I think, yeah, sort of very fleeting moment only. Yeah, I've got exactly the, the, the same moment actually written down, and that compounding of those two errors is something we continue to speak about, uh, and and it was so evident there in, in that moment, and, and it was a key moment in the game. I felt, but I I do feel a little bit like um, the referee Jack Murphy was it? Uh, Frank Murphy. Frank Murphy. <laughs> I think he kind of got con there by by Brown, and I do think on another day that ball popped down. I think it was actually Chris Cook that, that picked it up, and I think he might have had a bath winger outside of him, and that could easily yeah. have, have been a try. And Brown does sort of try and push it against Watson, but he kind of misses, and it, it results in him basically just pushing out the, the the ruck, and that could easily be ruled as just poor poor ball control by Mike Brown, and and we could be talking about a whole different story. And I know it, it was not on that one decision. Of course it wasn't. It was a diabolical bath performance, don't get me wrong. But I do think potentially that that was a key swing. And on another occasion, in, in the penalty which took it to, yeah, to yeah, 15 on, 6, yeah. I do think again that the, the referee was slightly conned in, into that penalty by, by the experience of Joe Marlowe and fair play uh, to, to, to Joe Marlowe. So that streetwise uh, attitude and that streetwise um, play from from guys like Marler and Brown, which is the the difference in, in in these tight European games. We spoke last week about how we were we the, the the moments, the key moments went against us, and those fine margins in Europe are often the the, the 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 things that cost you. And I think again on this occasion, it probably wasn't as evident as it was last week against Ulster, but again, I do feel a little bit like. Uh, we, we were not hard done by, but those decisions could have gone the other way. Yeah, so, could so what you're referring to there is, for, for those who haven't seen it, Francois yeah, Lowe goes over the ball, goes off his feet, looks to roll away, and Joe Marlowe, who's in the ruck, clearly just sort of holds him down over the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so the referee gives gives the penalty for, for not rolling away. And it was quite uh, quite an amusing moment after sort of Francois Lowe went over to Marlowe and sort of they had a little bit of a laugh about it, that you know he'd, 
he'd uh, he he'd got one up on him and sort of uh, you know ultimately con the ref and that that gave James Lang the opportunity to to to, to nail that penalty, which ultimately meant that we we then um, kicked for kicked for goal, uh, being nine points behind instead of going for the try and yeah. ultimately the win. So that was that was a that was a pretty pivotal moment. And I think your general point around Quinn's just being a little bit more streetwise is yeah. is a good one. You know, I I I believe that our first penalty we had in the game was on the 52nd minute. Mm. So Quinns did play, um, you know, the interpretation of the referee very well. They, they knew where where the line was. Um, and often on, on, on days like that, in conditions like that, it's more important what you do off the ball than on the ball. And they were very good in, in terms of their discipline yeah. and in terms of not giving away penalties. So I guess, you know, they're very out of form, but, but credit to them and, and their experienced guys for, uh, for, for the discipline they showed. And I think if we'd... Um, if we'd showed a bit more discipline, it probably would have been a, you know, it could have been a different result. Yeah, I do think, sort of on the contrary to what I'm saying, which is exactly what you're saying, is we, we it did feel a little bit like Bath were, were a little bit naive and got, got, got done a bit by Quinn's more expensive players, which is exactly what you've got to do in a European game, Tom. Well, one thing, one thing on the attack, actually, mm-hmm. just before we move on. Um, I was watching the Gloucester game. Um, who was it? Gloucester, Gloucester played Montpellier, Montpellier away. And, yeah, really good game. And they... Um, sent a much younger team um, and ultimately nearly got nearly got the win, uh, nearly got the win in the end. And the the number ten um, oh, can play, can't yeah, he? Lloyd Evans, um, only twenty three. The first time I'd I'd seen him play, and he he was an absolute bright spark for, throughout the whole game. And it just made me think we haven't heard anything about about Tom Tom de mm. at all this season. I don't know, and you know I think we'll come on to this with sort of you know a bit of a lack of transparency in terms of where players are why they're not getting game time but but he's one that i think now is 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 the right time potentially with europe um slipping away to give him some some absolutely priceless experience mm. um at the highest level so i'd love to see him him come in and 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 make a bit of a name for himself as as lloyd evans uh, did for gloucester against Montpellier and and indeed as as gabe hammer webb um, uh, has been doing for the last couple of games. Yeah, I think trying to get a bit of transparency out of Bath as to the, the sort of whereabouts and, and fit, relative fitness of all of the players is, is sort of trying to fight a losing cause at the moment. Uh, I agree completely that, especially in Europe, maybe Saracens this week might not be the ideal moment to, to, to give Tom the Glamble a go, but um, I certainly wouldn't mind watching him uh, on, on our trip to Claremont, as we mentioned earlier. So, yeah. Sure. So should we continue the the therapy session with uh, what's the next step? A few uh, look on the bright side, maybe well, for a bit now. I just well, let's just it nearly got a whole lot worse before it could get better, uh, and and uh, you know it would have been the worst moment of the weekend, if not the worst moment of the season, if if that Anthony Watson injury towards the end of the game turns out to be it didn't look as bad as what. It, what was initially feared. By, get him off by the field, though. Oh, I completely agree. Completely agree. Get him off the field, but. It, he obviously wanted to, 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 to carry on and try and make a lasting impact, but he's not going to do that on what appeared to be one leg. And I just hope he didn't do any more damage than, than, than he could have done, than, than, than he would have not done if he'd, if he'd come off the field. If yeah, you know, you'd potentially be concerned with all the rugby that he's played. Um, and obviously after fighting back from injury, he's been pretty much non-stop for England and for Bath um, since he recovered from that, from that Achilles problem last last season you potentially think he'd come back and would want a bit of a break from from rugby but it seems to be the absolute opposite he seems to be chomping at the bit to get out there and 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 help the boys and yeah I was encouraged by um his post on social Mm. media following the game um that basically didn't even reference the the injury um and and just said that we will get better so fingers crossed everything knees crossed uh, toes crossed everything crossed that Anthony Watson is 
is okay. And indeed, Charlie Yules, who is yet another man um, that limped off with with a knee injury uh, mm. just on the hour mark. That didn't look didn't look so good, did it? No, I didn't. Waiting with with with, with sort of bated breath about Watson, but particularly Yules, as you said. We're going to touch a little bit more on all things blue, black and white injury related slightly later on in the podcast once we've got this this Harlequins debrief out of the way. Should we try and look for some positives? Yeah, so best, thing, best thing that happened in the game was first half, Mike Brown, who is the sort of player that if he's on your team, you love him. But if you're playing against him, um, he's sort of the player that I think everyone sort of everyone sort of loves to hate. And Rocco Daguni, uh, that, that tackle, when yeah. they had numbers, Rocco Daguni made the call to fly out the line um, uh, it, was kind of, it was kind of sort of a crabbing across to, to try and cover and then came up the line to take Brown mm. in absolutely incredible power and drove Brown back probably 15, 20 metres basically threw him around like a bit of a bit of a ragdoll and then we, we got the turnover that was mm. a quite incredible moment he is, he is looking back looking sort of back to his sort of athletic mm. best yeah I do wish with, with, with Rocket Aguni I just wish he'd be a bit more decisive about when he gets the ball he often collects the ball back from from a, from, a, from from an opposition kick and we know with Rocket Aguni his, his first choice is never to, to kick it back but I just think like he sort of he, he waits and assesses his options too much and waiting for that gap to accelerate. And I wish he'd just back himself to just go immediately. We saw with Gabe Hammer-Webb last week against Ulster, just that decisive run can often be really effective and that he's got so much power and strength. He can break tackles and I do wish at times he'd just back himself a bit more and just go for it as opposed to, to waiting, looking for that option then often getting getting shut down. But yeah, I agree. That well, moment tell is, tell is, Jacob Stockdale that. Yeah, I, think he, 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 <laughs> I don't think he'll tell you that Rocket Aguni was moving, uh, moving yeah, sluggishly. But no, I agree with you. It sometimes looks like he's sort of um, he's not quite sure what he what he's doing, and he can mm. it just really turn on the afterburners, Rocco. We know you're not going to kick. You're not fooling anyone. Yeah. Just turn on the afterburners and get over the top of them. Correct. Completely agree. Right. Try and get some positives, and I, I, I threw this to, to Twitter. And thank you very much for your response. Uh, really, sort of got me through my, my my Monday. But for me, as we've mentioned, the the front row coming off the bench was was a massive positive. Probably the main positive from my point of view and we got a losing bonus point so uh, building our, our our imperious tally in Europe already this season <laughs> up to can, two points can get can get to 22 if we if we do really well but um I'll go through some of these ones on Twitter Tom and just sort of get your thoughts on them so Nick Price suggests that the second half was was much better Mark White said That's that right. the, the yellow kit was is pretty and I completely agree with that Andy Matt Garvey coming back yes um Missed just, on, just on Garvey quickly. I mean, he, yeah, he's he's probably been a little bit hard done by. You know, he was club captain last season. Didn't really get any game time last season. Obviously, suffered pretty badly with a with an ankle. I think an mm. ankle injury. Um, and so nice to see him back. It's clear from you know, everything you see on in and around the club social media that he's a really popular guy. Um, great to see him him get the opportunity. I think. Yeah, check out his Instagram as well. Really yeah. nice Instagram that he puts up. Uh, to talk Real, about the hardships, proper, proper, the proper club man. Yeah. I think you know the reaction of some of the players to hear you know that that Instagram post, as you say, um, and also sort of his recovery from injury probably tells you um, that he's had a significant influence on some of those guys mm. over the years. So Hugh Walker suggests that Francois Lowe being back, and Josh yeah. Samuel says we didn't concede any tries. I suppose that's a positive. So a few positives for you there, Bath rugby fans. Hope it's not all bleak uh, and, and stay positive as we, we go into to, to, to a, a tough-looking game against Saracens, as we will come on to in more detail. 
Where does that leave us then, Tom, in in Europe, in terms of our qualification? I'm ge- I'm guessing it's it's sort of out of the question, but the eighth ranked quarter finalists, which is sort of where we're looking at now, the, we're not going to top the group, but if we can get there as the the eighth ranked, uh, so the one of the two best runners up in the Champions Cup era, I've got 17, 19, 16, 18, and 19 points. So the moment we stand on two points, so say roughly we need to get to about 18, we need to go unbeaten for the rest of the tournament. Three teams in in the Champions Cup era have lost round one and two pool games and reached the quarterfinal. So Scarlets in 2017-18 and both Wasps and Bath in 2014-15. Is it out of the question completely? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, and cool. I, I would, I again, like I spoke about what you and Ackerman said after we got to the game. For me, now we we turn our attention to to the Premiership. We're not going to beat Clermont away. You know, Clermont absolutely hammered Quinns, and, yeah. and and we and we're we're probably you know roughly on par with Quinns. I would say um, uh, going away to France is going to be going to be a tough one, p- p- particularly with some of the injuries that potentially will will still have. Um, you know, guys on the sideline at, at that point in time. So, as I say, it might be uh, unambitious, but for me, we needed to to get that win against Quinns. I think the selection for the game uh, kind of showed that. Really, um, we didn't. We only picked up at one point, and that's not enough. So, um, yeah, for, for me, attention now has to has to turn has to turn to the Premiership. Cool. That's that one ticked off the agenda. Any other points from this game before we move on to talk about injuries and the the Saracens? Just a couple of things about Freddie Burns' performance because cool. yeah. I thought it, I thought it was mixed to be honest. So I thought again I thought he struggled in defence at times, but I thought he could have been helped out more by by his back rowers. Obviously mm-hmm. with a scrum back pedalling and wheeling round as it was, it's sometimes quite difficult for those guys to get off the line. And I think he he struggled with you know big guys like James Lang running down his channel. And also, um, you know, Marcus Smith, kind of unpredictable and, and sort of uh, kind of elusive runner as well. So he struggled in defence. Um, and as we've spoken about, you know, although he didn't get many opportunities in in sort of a good position, I think, you know, we, we didn't see as much as, as we'd like from him in terms of attacking creativity. One thing I thought he did really well, and it's something that he has improved uh, leaps and bounds, I think, is, is his tactical kicking. Mm. Given the penalties we gave away, given the territory we had, I thought he kicked really intelligently. Mm. A lot of sort of up and unders that landed just outside the 22. We mentioned the Mike Brown one that almost led to and could have led to, to a try that got us back in the game. But also just those flat kicks over the um, over the shoulders onto grass um, of, of the back three, I thought was was intelligent. So a mixed game for him in difficult conditions. And I just kind of reiterate the message that I said a few weeks ago. Yes, the attack was poor. Yes, he probably could signal him out for a couple of missed tackles. But I think we need to be be sticking with him mm. um, uh, going forward. Yeah, I think that's the wider point, isn't it? We, 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 we've kind of gone away from Priestland now. We've spoken millions of times about oh, I him. I hope so. If they, if they pick Priestland against Saros, I'll be... Will you not go? You've got a ticket. I've got a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will go, but... <laughs> You'll go. I'll go with Bad Grace. <laughs> Going with Bad Grace. I think we've got the name of the podcast sorted. Um, final point from me, and it does look like it's going to be another tough season for, for the Blue, Black and White fans and, and players and coaching staff. It's not been a great start, and... It, as you said last week, Tom, that almost looked like one of our strongest teams and we really didn't put in a good performance. And it, it does look like it's going to be a really long season. Um, but for me, the the lows of, of, of loss still haven't 
gotten as, as, as sort of low as the high of winning has gotten high. So stick with it, Bath fans, as we always say, through thick and thin. Right, injuries, Tom, next on the agenda. Um, we've mentioned a bit about Anthony Watson and Charlie Yule's No news as of yet, recording on Monday evening. Um, so wait uh, on that injury report if we ever get one. And Zach Mercer, we still don't, we still don't exactly know what, what the situation with him. He did put an Instagram up to, sort of saying how injuries are part and parcel of rugby. He is on the BT panel yeah, so on Friday that. night, so maybe get a bit more of a, a, an update then uh, if he's allowed to talk about his injury. But um, yeah, so don't know about that. The one we also don't know a lot about, but a lot has been spoken about this week, is Joe Thock and Seager. And we spoke on last week's podcast about the, the strange press release by, by Bath Rugby. And a little bit more light has sort of been put into that. Well, it all becomes clear now, doesn't it? I mean, the, the reason it was such a confusing statement is because they were confu- as confused mm. as, as we were and they had to word it so carefully because, you know, ultimately they didn't know the facts of the injury. They weren't aware, as you say, of the injury that he picked up during training, um, you know, out in, out in Japan. And it's, you know, it always starting to make sense now, you know, why he had strapping on the knee when he was out training in Japan, why we were, were consistently picking Slade and Joseph uh, on the bench for, mm. for England. Um, and, you know, and why he, he kind of inexplicably, given his performance in the warm-up game, didn't get any game time out in Japan at all. So, yeah, starting to make sense. But it's incredibly annoying, to be honest, as a, as a fan. And I imagine even worse if you're, if you're Stuart Hooper and the other coaching staff, because they just weren't told about it. And to, you know, to... Obviously, it's a real any ambition of any player to to go out and play a World Cup um, for their country, but not to be told about it and just to be come back and sort of dropped off with with a, with an injury. One of our one of our top players, one of our bright sparks for the season, mm. particularly at such a, a such a, a such a young age and, and with what sounds like quite a complex injury, is mm. is hugely disappointing, isn't it? Yeah. So Hooper's suggesting that that the Bath were provided limited information by the RFU and the the sort of limited information that they were given has now turned out to to be false and and, and different situation to what they were promised. And and we spoke about that England team and and the great journey that that, that they sort of took us on in Japan and the fun we had in Japan following them. And and that is Eddie Jones' ultimate legacy. But unfortunately, part of his legacy is injuring uh, the, these players and there is no other, other way of putting it and if Doc and Asiga was, was badly injured in Japan and, uh, and, and Bath weren't told about that and, and he wasn't sent home as he if he should have been then then I, I'm, I'm afraid that that's pretty poor from, 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 from England rugby and, and ultimately so disappointing for, for Bath fans for Bath staff but more more importantly most importantly than anything so disappointing for, for Doc and Asiga He's not reached his peak yet uh, as a rugby player. This is a massive year for him to cement a position in an extremely difficult back three for, for England, extremely congested back three for England, and he deserves that opportunity. And if his, his career has taken a massive setback by this, then, then personally I think it's really, really poor from, from England rugby. And it really is, is sort of uh, rubbed me up the wrong way. Yeah, and some of the, some of the you know, statement that's come out from, from Hooper you know, it does make it sound like it is potentially very serious. I mm. mean, you know, because he's a young man, he wants to be playing for the next 10 years and more. Um, so we need to sort of manage um, what he's doing. It does sound like it's potentially um, not career-threatening, but it's going to impact his career quite materially in, 
in some way. And Hooper talks about opening communication, starting communication with the RFU. And it's, it's seeming like Bath having to go out and sort of, um, a sort of, you know, open, as I say, open a line of communication with the RFU to find out, um, you know, what they've done um, ultimately to, to fucking Asiga while he was away in Japan. Mm-hmm. So as you say, I'm sure sort of more will, will come out of this for the moment. It explains the very strange wording in that, in yeah. that statement that was, that was released. But as, as you say, just incredibly frustrating. We, we've had so many problems with, every club says this, but we have had our lion's share of, of injuries um, uh, you know, over the past seasons, generally to our to our top players. And this is just another one to, mm. to, to add to that list. Yeah. As we say, we don't know the whole story yet, but it's not looking like it's going to become off very flattering for, for the RFU. Yeah, report, reports, I think a report in the Daily Mail saying it's looking to be, you know, touch and go whether he'll bat for the Six Nations. Don't know how much um, truth there is in that particular Daily Mail, um, your usual, uh, your your usual. I'll tell you anything I can get to me at this stage. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it, it, standard reporting for 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 Bath Rugby. <laughs> no, no, but it's you know, is it, is quite a scan. I think if we we're a top, uh, you know, if we we're a top four side, there might be a bit more, bit more mm. going on. But um, and certainly not helped by the club, who, as we've said so many times, refused to sort of give us any any kind of transparency. Um, uh, which, which as which as supporters is incredibly incredibly mm. frustrating as well. Do you want any thoughts on uh, the reporting surrounding Bath Rugby? Just get in touch with uh, Rob Horsfall Turner on, on he's, Twitter. He's got some views. I'm it? sure he's uh, he's got some views. He, he's more than willing to to share with you. Moving on then, Tom, and uh, time for my favourite part of the week, and it's time for our X Factor correspondent to give us the not, latest update on. on we've done on injuries. We've done on injuries. Yeah, well, anyone, anyone else? It's got to be Zach Mercer. I did mention him. Oh, because putting off your your tri-star report. Well, you know how long have we got to be honest. <laughs> he, he's he he. To be honest, is the one for me that I think, as I said to you, he's he's the biggest loss mm. in my view. I mean, we don't know about Watson and Yules, who would be you know, massive losses, but Zach Mercer not only epitomises everything that's good about Bath Rugby and has done for um you know for the past few seasons. To be honest, even when we've been in the proper um you know glut of um, defeats, last minute defeats last season, he still was sort of a, a shining light. But I think also he provides sort of vital balance to that back row, mm. as you said, um, provides you know a, a different dimension with his carrying at number eight. So um, a massive loss. Um, and um, as I say, hopefully he won't be out for, for too long. Yeah, we don't know, as we no. did mention, we don't know the, 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 no, no. the details around that injury, so, so knees crossed. Tristar, I know that... Um, well, well, I believe that Levi Davis is uh, has now uh, been voted out of, uh, if that's even how it works, of of celebrity X factors. So uh, Levi, come on, pop back to uh, Farley House now and uh, and get training and, and sort of continue that form we show. We've probably been quite light on on, yeah, on Levi Davis. I think when when Jamie Roberts went off to Japan to do the ITV commentary, we were fairly harsh on him. Uh, but just because Levi Davis is is getting his top off with Ben Foden, I think there's been a little bit of <laughs> been a little bit of sympathy shown. But um, yeah, sort of all fun and games, and uh, um, you know, like any top club in the Premiership, obviously um, caring for their players outside of the game as well. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm glad that we've done that. But um, now he can get on with his day job. Yeah, hopefully he'll be back in a blue, black, and white jersey or any jersey at all, as you said last week, sometime soon. Right, Tom. Speaking of which. Speaking of which, Saracens. exactly. Yeah, Saracens. Um, is there much of a need to, to focus big time on this? 
I met, we mentioned after the, the, the Bristol game how that sort of felt like we we're walking into a, an almost impossible situation, given that it was Bristol at Ashton Gate, first game of the season, a lot of their players not on international duty and guys like Nathan Hughes making their, their, their first appearance. Does this feel like another situation where Bath have not got unlucky, but are sort of walking into a, a buzzsaw here, walking into a situation where it's, it's going to be very, very tough for us to, 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 to get a result, given that you feel like this is the week where Saracens are going to release the, release the juggernaut. Yeah, Saracens have, have been obviously very up and down um, the last the last few weeks, and they had obviously that sort of backlash after the the, the salary cap um, violations were were announced and, and beat Gloucester away, which was a, a fantastic win with a very inexperienced squad and still missing a lot of their big guns. They've gradually started to to bring those guys back. So Elliot Daly started uh, at the weekend. George Cruis as well um, in their sort of hammering of of Ospreys at home. So yeah, I guess on the one hand it is. Um, uh, you know, it is is potentially going to be a really tough game, and you know, the, the probably one of the most concerning articles I saw this week um, was one that essentially um, uh, uh, said that Owen Farrell and a couple of the others, the Vunapola um, brothers, will be coming. As well. Toje as well will be coming back to join those guys uh, this week. So from that perspective, um, we potentially have drawn a bit of a short straw. But I don't know. There's something about um, this weekend or this Friday. And just something about our record um, against Saracens at home, coupled with the fact that we are um, uh, seemingly a significantly better side at home um, than we are away, um, th- that just makes me think that this isn't a this isn't a foregone conclusion. Actually, yeah, I, I would agree with you on a sort of normal week. I do think that our record at home, as you say, is really strong, and that game against Exeter was was a game where I thought we had no chance but looking back on that you, you can see how we we, we were going to get on the right side and ultimately we did get on the right side of that 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 uh fixture but I just think the the context of this game makes it makes it even harder and we've seen the backlash you spoke about they are clearly using this this salary cap infringement as as fuel to their fire and and I just think these guys you spoken about how Underhill was tromping at the bit how uh, how Anthony Watson looked to be so enthusiastic just to play rugby again after the disappointment of losing that World Cup final these guys have been held back even further and I just think they're they're going to let the reins off and uh, and uh, well. I'm optimistic at the best of times, but I'm seriously struggling to to see a way in which this result goes goes our way. Tell me, Tom, how how we can win 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 this game. What area of the game are we going to exploit? We've got to get our selection right, and particularly in the pack, we didn't do that against Harlequins, and it ultimately told. You know, enough of sort of the kind of rotation of the front row. I think, you know, as I said, we've now got that front row nailed down. Um, obviously with, with Benno, Tom Dunn um, and Will Stewart I think mm-hmm. that's an area where we're going to need to target uh, Need to target mm-hmm. if there's one thing that Saracens potentially haven't been as good as, as every other area of the game it's the, it's the scrum Makovuna um, Pola arguably that's kind of the weakest area of his game um, and so I think it's a big day for, for Will Stewart in that tight head shirt uh, to try and um, kind of grind out some penalties and, and some field position from, from that scrum um, so, so that's that's one area, the front row, and then I think the back the back row, and particularly mm-hmm. the balance of the back row, is is massively important. So, whilst I think you know Josh Bayliss 
had an industrious game against six um, carries. Yeah, top, carry, yeah. Carry, I think yeah. he was top tackler as well. So you know, he put himself about. However, I do think that we're going to have to try and match their their big guns with with some with some equally big guns of of our own. And I think someone we really missed at the weekend was was Mike Williams. He's only played a few a few games this season for us now, and whilst he you know he's prone to giving away a couple of penalties, he is kind of that abrasive blindside flanker um, that we need um, you know mm. to, to to win the collision on the game line and to um, to sort of put put a bit of fire in in the bellies of of the rest of the pack. So for me, um, gee, we kind of pick that that back row of of Mike Williams at six, Sam Underhill. Uh, back in at seven against some of his England counterparts, and then Francois Lowe, who, as you said, was one of the bright spots from the from the weekend um, in eight. And I think that um, that sort of completes um, for me a, a much more functional back row for the purposes of playing Saracens. Mm, I, I, I potentially agree, and maybe someone like Tom Ellis is someone that's maybe has fallen off the radar a little bit, and even a guy like Levi Douglas, yeah. who's that abrasive lock. And he, again, like where are these guys? Well, I, I think Levi Douglas was a was a travelling reserve against against Harlequins because I saw him after the game, and it's been really nice to to know where we are. But we we've covered that to death, so let's not go back into like Reece that. Like Reese Davis, that young young lad mm. who looked good when he came on, actually. But again, why why is he suddenly on well, on, on the bench? We were massively like, impressed with Douglas, especially like in pre season. He's but, exactly the sort of player mm, you're coming on against. Yeah, completely against agree. Harris, yeah. But. I, is there an argument for for seeing what 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 they bring in terms of that physicality, particularly if they pick Izikwe or Otoje at six, Billy Vanapola at eight, and counteracting that with by picking a, a scavenging back rower like like Josh Bayless and going at them at the breakdown? Is there not an argument for that? Nah, we've got one of the best turnover merchants in the in the world in Francois Lowe, so I think um, I think you know you can't you can't really justify dropping Sam Underhill for. Um, on that basis either so uh, no I, I think we do with that and I think we also give Elliot Stook a start in his favourite position in the second row um, again potentially one of the reasons um, that, that Burns struggled in in defence was that he was he was sort of in uh, you know at six as, as I say not his not his first choice position so um, yeah that's uh, that, that's what I do with selection I think that's that's obviously kind of the main lever that you can mm. you, you can pull if you're Stuart Hooper I mean, it may, um, may have to be Stuke if, if the Yulzy injury turns out to, to be something serious which unfortunately it did appear to be so I'd agree with that anyway I think freshen up uh, a Yulzy Stuke second row if Yulz is fit yeah, agree with that just one thing then on, on Saracens and we sort of touched on on the salary cap and ah. Uh, I don't want to do this thing to death because, as we've said before, there's plenty of other stuff in the media about the salary cap. But as we are playing this weekend, it's probably a good time to to focus on a little bit. And a tweet from Alistair Eakin, obviously the BT Sport lead, one of the BT Sport lead commentators, who tweets tonight, Monday night, saying, "Quote: Hearing of some very interesting developments regarding Prem Rugby's interest in Saracen's current playing squad." and cap compliance got the feeling this is a long way to run now if anything does come of that in the week Tom and there is more more more, more sanctions towards Saracens I don't really know what Alistair Eakin is suggesting there but I think he's kind of suggesting that the, the, the sanctions aren't over and the current playing squad is kind of under review would it be a positive to give, give give these Saracens players more more fuel to to, to that salary cap fire from, from a? Well, if the players aren't allowed to play, then obviously <laughs> that'll be that'll work from our perspective. I don't think anything's going to come out in the next three days. To be honest, I'll, I'll be very surprised um, if it does. I think they they don't really need 
much more in the way of fuel adding to the fire. Um, we obviously can't predict selection, but if those boys do come back, they're going to be you know out there to prove a lot of people wrong and to, to get bad at, back at a lot of people. Well, prove um, everyone right that, that they've reached the salary cap and created the, the greatest. Yeah, but just sort of, you know, mm, a bit, no, bit of a backlash. Sorry, sorry. And um, uh, we might be on, we, as I say, we might be on the receiving end of that, but I don't know, I think... I think you know we've won the last three out of four at home against Saracens. Last season we went into it massively pessimistic. Even you went into it thinking we may not, we may not um, come out on top. And we managed to to scrape a win in a horrible game when Alex Zoski was missing kicks left, right, and mm. centre. So you know it might it might turn around and uh, and I guess we'll see on Friday and uh, that will probably determine a long way that to, to, to what that result's going to be. I think if they pick Owen Farrell in particular, and if a few of the the big boys come back up front. Um, it's it's going to be really tough, and it's going to be a massive, massive test of test of uh, test of our boys. But you know, saying that we beat Exeter at home, and they had a they had a fairly uh, a fairly decent squad out as well with some of their internationals back. So uh, so yeah, we're we're in with a shout in my book. Unusual for us. You're, you're you seem to be taking a more positive slant, which I feel like is usually my role on this podcast. But you haven't got many predictions right so far. On, I think you've been wrong every single time. <laughs> so, so that means take with yeah. that a pinch of salt uh, this week. But if you are going like you are, Tom, enjoy it because it, uh, Friday night at the wreck it, it is it is always a good. Yeah, thing. I think if there's anything, we'll need that. We'll need that 16th man. Um, mm. that we had against um, who did we beat? Northampton. Northampton yeah that we had against Northampton after after the brew red card so yeah if you're going um, you know uh, bring your singing voice and um, let's get behind them and uh, give Saracen some stick along the way as well mm. and enjoy the, the relegation 10 pointer as well which potentially this is that just about does it for uh, another podcast. Thank you very much for listening, as always. Get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, as always. Join in the conversation there and on the Bath Rugby Supporters Facebook page as well. Um, thanks for joining me again, Tom. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, hopefully in buoyed spirits after a, a fantastic victory. But nonetheless, come thick or thin, we'll be back. So uh, enjoy the rugby and get behind the boys in blue, black and white.